Welcome back to the We Are Here podcast only on southcoast.fm. We're telling the stories of business builders and entrepreneurs on the South Coast, letting the world know we are here. We're the number one podcast on the South Coast for entrepreneurs, and we'd love your review on iTunes. So if you have a moment this holiday season, please scroll to the bottom of the Apple Podcast app on this episode and share the love. Leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. It's up to you. Just leaving a review really helps. If you have a moment, please spread the word too. Share us on your Facebook page, your Twitter stream, your LinkedIn profile, or your Instagram app. The more listeners we have, the more we can amplify your mission to build businesses on the South Coast. The global pandemic has had a major impact on many small businesses within the shallow pockets of communities around our country. Small business owners have scrambled to get themselves online and use social media to blast out their message on the new normal work hours that they're all operating from. It's a literal battle cry for survival while cutting and downsizing most of their operations. The national media news cycle scrambles to keep up with the shifting trend of the virus, our stimulus money, and which political party is doing right by Americans, which looks to be a zero-sum game from my point of view. Does the small business story die in this darkness? And the irony of that quip is not lost on me, thanks Washington Post. The small business story does not have to die in darkness. Small publishers like Marlissa Brigitte, owner of the South Coast Almanac, is a rock in what should be a larger foundation of local journalism and storytellers. Monolithic newspapers and gossip-ridden just-for-click media outlets are not the only means to amplify your brand's message. But to think launching a print magazine in the year 2015 where the height of the media market was all digital? Well, there was a silver lining throughout this lockdown in the resurgence of a deep caring and appreciation for a handcrafted magazine. Let's join Marlissa on her journey of the South Coast Almanac and how she's writing her own story here on the South Coast. I want to hit you with the most pressing question that I get and that I'm always thinking about. South Coast with a space, South Coast altogether. <laughs> How did you question. end up? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's very, and people are very passionate about it, I find. Well, we just thought, they sh- we, t- we spent a lot of time, obviously, thinking about it, but we thought that there should be a space, but other people feel just as strongly that there shouldn't be. And I can't remember, it was five years ago when we were starting this, so I can't remember how we came down on it. We feel strongly that it's South space coast we're used to people putting it together even when they're referring to us and putting no space and i'm used to that because my name is marlissa and everybody would spells it all sorts of ways you publish a, a printed magazine do you call it a magazine do you call it something else i'm wondering if there's like a stigma around the word magazine but what do you refer to we call it a magazine we have no stigma about <laughs> the word magazine i think that print magazines are coming back i think people really appreciate having the touch and the different look that a magazine provides and so yeah we're we call ourselves a quarterly magazine we come out four times a year we have a digital presence and that was not our main focus from the beginning, but it has, we always had something and we're, we are growing that obviously because you, you have to have a digital presence now, but our heart and soul is really put into the print magazine. And what we're always trying to do is create an issue that people want to savor and save and actually never recycle. And you won't believe how many people say, oh, I have every issue. When I say we have every issue, it's it, we don't have that many issues because we were originally annual and it was just in 2019 that we were moving to quarterly. But but that's like, we have 
nine issues out there and people have kept everyone. Some of some people have kept everyone and that's exactly what we wanted to, yeah. to have happen when we started. When you look at the landscape of starting the business, now you started the business five years ago, right? Yeah. Yep. Roughly. You, I mean, many businesses go, oh boy, I, I want to start another pizza shop. And they look yep. around, they say, look at all these pizza shops. Jeez, can I compete in this space? Uh, you want to start a web or marketing business, like in, in my world or podcast. And you're like, God, oh, so there's literally 1.8 million podcasts published mm-hmm. as of today. Mm-hmm. And there'll probably be 2 million by next week uh, when everybody gets their microphones for Christmas. <laughs> but how did you analyze that? How did you look back? How did you look at that and say, okay, printed piece in the year 2015 ish, yep. so yep. much digital, so much online. I well, want to do print. We did look around and that's totally true that there's so much out there competing for people's attention and eyeballs. But what was growing in the magazine, in the print magazine space, were city and regional magazines. And we felt that the South Coast was this underappreciated region that did not have that kind of spotlight on it. And so we, you know, I did a lot of research and and saw that those were the magazines that were still being started back then and that were surviving. Because I think the the failure rate for magazines after one year is like some ridiculous number, like 50% or 60 or 70% failure rate after a year. And so we could see that the ones that weren't failing were often regional. And you can understand why, because people love their where they live, you know, it's the whole love where you live uh, movement. And, you know, they want to see their region reflected in the pages of a beautiful magazine. So we thought that would be, uh, would sort of buck the trend of print magazines in general. And I would say like the same thing for your podcast, right? It's a niche. Like, so if you go niche, you can get an audience and you can survive. And that's what we figured and, and bet our retirement on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did you at one point think, well, maybe Cape Cod Almanac, Nantucket and well, Islands Almanac, was there anything competing to the South Coast? No, I, what ha- I grew up spending all of my summers in onset at my grandparents' house and now my mom's house and, I, you know, like, I, and we have a house there and spend as much time as we can there. So onset was like the place I felt like I grew up, you know, and I had a special connection. And so sometimes I would write for Cape Cod Magazine and I could pull pitch some story ideas because onset's right on the right before the bridge and so occasionally I could pitch a story for them but I, I always wondered why isn't there a place I can pitch a story for about onset or Marion or Rochester there's nothing like Cape Cod magazine Cape Cod life I mean the Cape is saturated that's the thing so there was never any thought that we would go there but the south coast First of all, I'm passionate about like, I think more attention should be paid to it. I know a lot of people want to keep it as a hidden gem. And I I get that. But I also want to know what's going on two towns over. Like I knew Onset and Wareham really well, but I didn't know Fairhaven at all. I didn't know Mattapoisett at all. Not at all did I know Dartmouth. And I think that's, that's one of the things we just want people to explore beyond their own backyard, right? And, and no one else was doing that. So yeah, that was the, the reasoning. How do you curate content and try to include, quote unquote, everyone? Oh. How do you give every city and community a fair shake quarterly yep. so that they, you, know, you don't always say, 
you know, because I fall victim to this yeah. myself. I, I talk to a lot of people in New Bedford right. because I just know a lot of people in New Bedford who right. are doing things with businesses, yep. you know, yep. and then Fall River. But how do you give everyone a fair shake? It's a great question. And each one is a little bit of a struggle. So we, we're planning it always with that in mind. Sometimes things shift a little bit, the story shift a little bit. And at some point, always when we're planning an issue, we're like, oh my gosh, we haven't done anything west of Dartmouth. So we have nothing from Fall River or Westport. Like, so we're just super aware of it. And I would say that hopefully we mostly address it. Sometimes some issues are always going to have more of a focus on certain areas, but we hope that over the course of a year, we're kind of fair throughout. And even in the course of an issue that there'll be certain uh, stories that reflect the different areas. And but the same thing happens to me because, you know, I, I work out of groundwork. I, I, we're always sort of like, why is there so much New Bedford stuff in here? So we try to shunt that away a little bit. So we, we just are, are very much thinking about it all the time. So yeah, as somebody who's creating lots of content, you're literally building a platform for other people to tell their stories. At least that's the way I perceive you because I'm sort of quote unquote in the business. Like I feel like, you know, the, the podcast is a platform for folks, South Coast Almanac, a platform for folks. Do you ever get well, I'll say, do you, I'll ask, do you ever get discouraged? I get angry <laughs> when you approach people and you say, Hey, I'd love to tell a story about X, Y, Z that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And they go, ah, oh, yeah, well maybe, you know, <laughs> let me review it first. Let me talk to the committee. I'm like, listen, there's not a lot of us doing this for you. <laughs> right. New York times, uh, fill in your big, you know, media outlet is not yeah. knocking on your door. We're the ones that are doing this. How do you bridge that emotional uh, gap? It happened a lot more at the beginning when no one knew who we were, you know, and that was just who, who are these people calling? And I give a lot of credit actually for the people in our first issue when we called them up and said, we want to do a profile. You've never heard of me. Hello, you've never heard of me, but we want to do a profile and we're going to start this new magazine. But certainly I would say like at least once a quarter, we run into people who, and it's not even so much that they, they're reluctant to do it. It's just that they're hard to to pin down. And we're like, oh, this is free publicity. You know how much you have to pay for this? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it is sort of surprising to me. And so I would say actually for for every business, if you get a call from the press, you know, the Standard Times or the Weeklies, anybody, you try to get on it right away because they'll, that's really invaluable coverage, especially if it's editorial. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And on the flip side, how do you provide value to either the folks that engage with you to work with you on creating content, whether it's like a s- story about them or highlights or like a listicle or something like that? And how do you pair that up with advertisers, which I'd imagine would be a large mm-hmm. part of the business model? Mm-hmm. From the beginning, we were always going to have the advertising and the editorial separate because we we thought it was super important to kind of be genuine to our audience. And that's what they were going to expect. I will say that obviously we love our advertisers. And if we're doing some editorial, like for instance, we had best neighborhoods in our March issue. So of course we're going to reach out to our advertisers because we're just trying to find out what are the best neighborhoods and, and, and realtors were a big piece of that, that feature. And so they're the ones who are top of mind and there, and we do reach out to them, but that doesn't mean you have to be an advertiser to be part of it. And there were plenty of advertise, uh, plenty of realtors who were in that issue. So that's how we balance it. We sort of like, you're, we don't exclude anyone because they're not advertising, but we will 
kind of reach out more often and more frequently to our advertisers. And can you just explain, because even I'm very green to this this world, but when you say you want to separate the advertisers with the editorial, is that because you might pick up- A bad know, vibe. Like, yeah, I mean, well, a bad vibe, but if you pick up something like a men's health yeah. and it's like, hey, you should do this workout and it's like totally written for Nordic Track, right? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, Nordic Track wrote this whole article, yeah. right? This is all you yeah. recommend. Is that what you mean by separation? Yeah, like, and, and how do you feel when you see that article? You're like, oh, this is a little bit uh, slimy, right? And you don't necessarily respect the editorial content. And, and like I said before, our whole goal was to create these things that people wanted to keep and 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 treasure. And they're not going to do that if they think it's a glorified ad. I spent a lot of time on YouTube just consuming content, mostly like learning stuff, things about cameras, uh, podcasting equipment, software and stuff like that. A lot of YouTube tech reviewers, they get free Mm -hmm. stuff, right? From these businesses. And it's not until recently, by recently, maybe in the last, I want to say two-ish years, maybe even one year, where now YouTube will indicate or you have to flag your video as a promotional video. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the YouTubers that are creating this content are being lenient on you know, a particular manufacturer of, let's say, a camera. It's not like they're just saying, oh, yeah, you should just definitely buy this camera because they sent it to me for free. At least the YouTubers that I watch. We don't have as many categories like that that are mm. product-driven. If, and I will say that our mailbox is pretty much empty of free products, so that it hasn't really been an issue. <laughs> but if somebody wrote a book and they sent it to us and we looked at it and then put it put some story, like I would not, again, I, I feel like it's separate enough, like it, it's a great thing to bring it to our attention, but it's never going to seem like an ad. But yeah. again, I don't know because it hasn't really happened. We don't have people trying to give us a lot of gifts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if somebody wants to send you a free house, maybe you know, yeah, in that neighborhood. You know. <laughs> free financial services. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so back to the business model, we can have mm-hmm. advertising supported and then obviously subscription supported. Yep. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Does anyone ever, anyone ever say like, hey, you should just give this to me for free? And I'll take well, this. There are a lot of freebies. I mean, that's another thing that, that I, there's a lot of freebies out there. And part of being a paid subscription model was that we wanted to be able to say, look, we're creating something that people will actually pay for, which means that they're more engaged. They're going to read it, they're going to absorb it, they're going to see your ad. And quite frankly, the advertising revenue does not cover the cost of putting this together because we are doing all new content. We're hiring freelance photographers and I, I do some of the writing, so but writers occasionally and the design, it, it advertising revenue doesn't cover it if we want to keep the quality up to what we, what we want it to be. So the paid subscription model was kind of a, a, a way to counteract that. I had looked at, you know, Yankee magazine, which, you know, is, we're not Yankee magazine. I know that, but most of their revenue, more than half, comes from subscriptions and not from advertising revenue. And ultimately, we did not, did not want to have to become dependent on advertising revenue because, you know, you never know what could happen. There could be a pandemic or something. <laughs> <laughs> so let's touch upon that. How has the, the business fared during the pandemic? The way I look at it as if I were on your sales team, I'd be like, hey, we're in all, we are a great uh, well-crafted, curated source. You're not going to get this kind of angle view with any other big media outlet. By the way, big media outlet is all covering all this other stuff okay. nationally and regionally, and it's always virus versus you can come here and 
we might not be covering that exhaustively. And we sell you on the fact that this is unique and homegrown and a very hyper-targeted audience. Mm -hmm. That's just my spin on it. I don't know what, how that relates to your experience. Yeah, it's a good spin. That is, that's our spin. And because that's exactly right. Like we, we know we have an engaged audience. We know that they're, they love the South Coast as much as we do. They want to know what are the local businesses that I should be checking out. They want to know the new restaurants. So yeah, that's what we sell folks. And I think you, I thought you were going to ask me about like, how has the pandemic been? And I remember so the, when we did the round table, that was back in April. And I remember the question was, what, what are you going to do? And I, didn't know, but I was thinking. <laughs> and, you know, what we ultimately did was this was the year 2020 was the year we were going to have our first full four issues, our for like first full quarterly schedule. In 2019, we had sort of begun it and we had three issues. This year, we were going to do all four. And then we realized, okay, many magazines actually cut issues. Cape Cod Life did, San Diego Magazine, like there were a bunch that just sort of got rid of some issues because it was rough. What we decided to do is to go, we had just published a March issue. We had a, a June, May issue coming up. We pushed that to, out to June. And then we combined the, what would have been the August and the October issue into one September issue. So we did kind of go back to a three issue just to sort of stem the bleeding. That was one thing. And then we really, after... I think from your roundtable, I really was thinking, okay, what are we going to do? Because our advertisers are also in a, a pickle, to say the least. And so what can we do? And so that roundtable was on Facebook Live. And it sort of made me think, I had never thought about doing that. And just, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And so we started to just invite our advertisers on to say what they were up to. And so we just tried to do things to support our advertisers because we, we recognize that if they're doing well, we will do well. And if they're hurting, then we're hurting too. So, so that's one thing we did. The other thing was obviously we combined the, the last two issues into one. And now we're in a pretty good space and pretty optimistic for 2021. Like we're going forward with the March issue, even though I, things aren't going to be back to normal yet, but we're doing uh, four issues next year. And we're pretty pumped about that and hoping that by mid-year, we'll be back on track. How do you cast out for feedback from customers? And I think it's one of the most underrated things that any business, I don't care if you're a pizza shop, a publisher, a podcast, one of the things you should always be doing is just getting that feedback from customers. How is this you know, how is this going? Do you like the product? What can we do to improve? It's yeah, such a great question. I just wrote it down so that I could then, because I've been meaning to do surveys. I haven't done a survey since the first year we did this. And I've been meaning to just do some surveys to get to just what you're talking about. So now that's on my to-do list. So thanks, Matt. <laughs> but we also sort of informally, we just kind of, you know, actually people will call up and they're having trouble with the uh, subscribing uh, because their credit card's not going through or something like that. And they, all the lines lead to me, right? So, so if somebody calls, they're not getting a customer service person, they're getting me. <laughs> and then I say, Hey, how did you find out about it? What did you, what do you think? So I'd sort of do this informal focus group with anybody who has a problem or, and we, it, it, what's gratifying is that after an issue comes out, we actually do get a bunch of uh, emails from readers saying, Oh, I loved this issue. Can I get another one for my sister? And where do I get it? So 
it's all informal. And I, again, I think it's a great idea to, to do more, uh, a broader reach. But so far, just it's just feedback that, you know, I try to get as much feedback as I can, but it's just anecdotal. It's uh, the more content you put out there. Again, I'm, I'm sure you probably have received some feedback during the live streams, right? People tune in, I tune in, I see people tuning in. And I'm like, wow, she's got a lot of people watching the show, which is great. And I'm sure they're you know, just as people are listening to this, yes, doing a live stream, a great way to collect feedback, mm -hmm. right? Because feedback, collecting feedback, like you might send out a survey through MailChimp or something like that. And, you know, you get a certain set of people that respond to that. But sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to fill out a, right. a survey. Like I don't listen, I don't look at it. Maybe I just delete emails, whatever. And you have to try different contexts. It's not always just that one way. And live streams I find to be great because you have those really passionate people who are tuning in. Mm -hmm. You know, typing things like love the show, would love to see XYZ on the show, you know, those types of things. So being everywhere for that stuff. Speaking about creating content, I want to segue into that. You mentioned something before we hit record, whereas, you know, some people, they want to do content marketing because it's a great way to promote their business online. You have to do content. <laughs> like Our whole business. Yeah, it is your whole business. business. <laughs> how, how like what's the like how do you map out the content? How do you think about it? How do you think from going print to digital to social to streaming? How does that all break out? We have a lot of Slack channels. <laughs> so so Slack have, is the one of the tools that you use. Yeah, Slack and so we have different channels for like the digital for the print story ideas because we have different things end up in different buckets, right? And some things might be a great story, but just wouldn't fit for the print for whatever reason, probably because we're quarterly and just doesn't, doesn't, we don't have enough space. So we have all these, we just kind of, you know, I think of Slack as the bulletin board, right? So we put all these ideas in there that, that it may come in the next issue, or it may come in a year. So we have those channels open. And then I really have this year tried to probably about mm, two years ago, we started doing eight great things, which was a monthly blog saying the eight top picks for the month to do. And that caught on. And it was great for me because there was a deadline, right? I had to go out by the first of the month. And so, because I find probably a lot of people find that it's so easy. You're so busy doing so many things as a business owner that the content stuff can get pushed aside. But if you have to come up with a monthly blog of eight great things to do, that was great. And then, you know, I had mentioned before we got on is one of the great things for me in this past year was the South Coast Content Creators Facebook group, which is just a group of people who are doing content marketing or content for businesses in the South Coast. And it was a, a great community to join because, you, you know, at the beginning of the year, uh, Matt is actually one of the ringleaders of this. And he had us all do our goals for the year. And one of my goals was audience development and just sort of making my web website traffic go up. And for me, that's just a matter of putting content out there. And, and in fact, sometimes it's just converting the content from the print and to put it up. And so I, I just sort of took that to heart that I was going to develop the audience this year. And our numbers went way up in 2020 vis-a-vis -vis 2019. So if anybody's listening and they have to do content creation, I would join that group because it's a great place to just ask questions and to get feedback. So and to get motivation, really. Yeah, southcoast.fm slash uh, creators. If you go there, uh, that'll bring you to the Facebook group or just search for South Coast Content Creators on Facebook. And sadly, one of the things that I've, you know, life 
pandemic, recently switching jobs to, to a company called Castos, which is a podcast hosting company, sort of fell by the wayside. And I too am redeveloping plans and goals for 2021 for that Facebook group. I, I like you, like putting the, the, the the members, uh, the people who are engaged in that group, just like you do your readers and your advertisers, really want to make that group as useful and as valuable as possible and not turn, you know, what drives me crazy. And I'm sure maybe you, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Things things really irritate me when it comes to content and marketing. <laughs> and I see these other groups where people just go in and they just go, boom, here's my post. You know, I see this on other groups, like like real estate agents listing. It's just listing in this group, listing in that group. Why do I want to engage with this? Are you going to sell me on why I should even waste my time clicking on this thing? Give me a pitch. Give me an angle. Make it a little bit unique. Spend 30 seconds summarizing what I'm going to get out of this post when I click it. Right. That could be just because I'm just too inside baseball with this stuff. And I just like, I just want to be sold on why I should use my valuable time to your content. Something that you feel at all? Like, do you no, see people doing things? Because there's just too much content out there, right? right. So right. it's not even that you, that it's, that you're like, you're saying that's an irritant, but I think it's just the reality is like, we actually have to have a hook that drives people in because they, they could be watching cat videos all day. Like there's so much. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> So yeah. what are you going to do? What's the hook to drive them away from the cute animal videos? So I absolutely think that's the case. And I think that's where, yeah, that's where content marketing is so important. And I guess, I mean, this is a, I don't know if this is exactly on point, but I just was so impressed with one of our clients, one of our print advertisers wanted us to do a blog series for them. And I'm going to give them a shout out because I just think it's remarkable. Serpernet and Vanesky, which is a, a law firm for, trust and estates and elder law planning. And so they came to us and, and when I knew they wanted to do a blog series, I was kind of thinking, I don't know how we can do develop this for, for our audience if it's about them. You know, that's not what people come to us for. But they didn't want that at all. They wanted, they felt like 2020 had been such a tough year for businesses and restaurants in particular. They wanted to highlight six of their favorites and just kind of give them a shout out. And I thought that was like such a brilliant stroke of content marketing. So basically they're sponsoring us to tell other people's stories. Yeah. And so this is content, but it's not about elder law planning. But what I've noticed is they're getting a lot of, you know, we obviously mention it at the header and at the foot of the blog post that they're, they're sponsors, but they're getting a lot of click throughs, which is pretty gratifying and, and interesting, right? So like we're, t we're talking about, cocoa bombs at Dorothy Cox, but they're getting click-throughs to their law firm. So I would say the important thing is to make sure that there's the hook. And, you know, if you say cocoa bombs, that's the hook. Or yeah. if you say, you know, moonshine and malasadas at Tia's, <laughs> that's the hook. Yeah. So you, you yeah. need a hook. <laughs> yeah. This is also another piece of that, of the the pie that we were talking about before when it's like you knock on somebody's door and say, hey, we'd love to do this great story for you. And they're just kind of like thinking like, geez, I don't know if I want to engage with this. But like, this is free promotional stuff, but there's no big secret here. The, well, maybe for some people listening, but you know, when people come to me and they say, hey, I just want to be on the first page of Google. I want to type in something and I just want to be on the first page. No different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, the number one way to rank on Google is links back to your website. So for nothing else, <laughs> you know, engage with us because the link, literally the link back to your site is going to help you 
rank. And if you rinse, repeat that model and you do engage with folks like Marlissa and I, I feel like I'm really standing on the soapbox today, but it just, <laughs> these conversations really pull it out of me, you know, working together, the South coast, you know, sharing your stories. We're just all trying to promote you. And by the way, you're getting more out of it than we are <laughs> to a degree. So you're going to get a link back, which is going to help. Right. And that's one of the number one ways to rank, yeah. you know, for SEO and on Google sort of wrapping up here before we started, you also mentioned that you've been measuring things. You've been measuring the success. Have you been measuring the success of the live stream? Like, do you break down the different channels to say live stream has driven XYZ traffic or conversions or customers? Yeah, or it's such a good question. I will say that the live stream was super popular when we first started back in April, when things were really locked down and people were, were home. And, you know, now it's, well, actually, it, you know what it does? It, I noticed that it changes with the darkness at seven o'clock. <laughs> if it's dark at seven o'clock, we have a good audience. <laughs> if it's not, then we don't. But I I don't have, it. I should sit down and sort of map it out. I haven't done that. What I have noticed is that our Facebook following has grown up at like, I think I mentioned it before, but we've had a 39% increase since the beginning of the year. And I think a large part of that is through the Facebook lives because people and that's another thing. Like, so you're talking to businesses, they're sharing it, you're getting their, their audience members are liking it, and then you can invite them to, you know, follow you on Facebook. So I don't necessarily measure it. I just measure Facebook as a whole. And we've done um, much better this year than, you know, our numbers are still, I still want it to be more or sure. we are over what are we, 2300 now. It's like so slow to get you look at I look at Cape Cod Life, they have 25,000. And I'm like, how did they do that? So yeah. we're, we're just plugging along. So that's up from 1600 at the beginning of the year. And yeah, so that and that's what I've realized about having a business. It's just like, much slower than you think you're just slow and steady wins the race, you know, you yeah. just keep plugging away and yeah. moving forward. Do you start to look at the live stream as the next step to creating a, a new channel of content for South Coast Almanac, like, do you now look at this and say, okay, we can start a podcast, we can start a YouTube channel, yeah. or maybe, maybe you have it, you have those elements already, yeah. but you can really commit to it yeah. and say like, okay, we're going to increase the investment in these areas. Yeah. That's an excellent question. Another one of my goals from the beginning of this year in January, 2020 is that I wanted to start a podcast. Do you know that that's by my, I always say that for the last <laughs> 18 months at least, yeah. um, but now having done the the Facebook live events, I really do feel like, oh yeah, that's totally doable. And I'll say that the thing about Facebook live is you're like, oh, it's just Facebook live. I always say that perfection is the enemy of the good, right? Oh. So if you think, when I first started to think of podcasts, I'm thinking of serial, right? The, the, the podcast serial or those kind of highly produced things. And then you realize, no, it doesn't have to be that. And you do these Facebook lives and you're like, oh, there's a lot of good content and we could, definitely do a podcast. So I think that is something that, that I'm much more seriously considering. We, we have started to do, we have these walking book club quarterly that was always in person and now it can't be in person. So we have done zoom calls with the authors and put those up on YouTube. So yeah, I do think that our YouTube presence, which is almost non-existent except for that video <laughs> um, will grow and I do think that podcasts are probably more in our future because, because I wasn't afraid of Facebook Live and I then realized, mm -hmm. oh, this isn't that different. I mean, it is different. I, I don't mean to, I know there's a lot more editing involved, but at least coming up with the content isn't the problem. 
I'd be the first, and and you might know this, but I, I'm the first website guy that will talk you out of building a website <laughs> or does over designing a website because it's like that's never like your thing on being perfect or pixel perfect in our world where everybody's like oh, I, the shade of blue isn't really what I want it doesn't even matter right <laughs> like all of the stuff that you're doing does not matter because of everything we've already said in this podcast episode about attention and time and really being about the content than just like is my logo big enough is my logo right it's like listen we have to get this stuff moving. We have to get it promoting. And this will be the final question. In fact, you mentioned, it's like, I'm a huge fan on spending, you know, I always say it's like spending 20% of the time creating your content, 80% of your time promoting your content. I know this is very far-fetched, but spending that time promoting is really what's going to move the needle. When people come to me and they say, hey, I want to start a podcast. And I say, how many podcast episodes do you think you can do? They say, well, boy, I think maximum I could do four podcasts a month, but that would be really stretching it. I say, cut that in half or even do one episode a month to get yourself going. And then just for those other three weeks, promote the heck out of it. Mm -hmm. Dice it up, turn it into little audio clips, turn it into a blog post, newsletter, mm -hmm. video clips, mm -hmm. you know, cornerstone content, all that stuff. What does your world of promoting content look like? I was saying how I, I, I used to write the blog post and then kind of put it up on our Facebook page and expect it to just work. Um, that people would, would see it. And I think of the work of it as creating the blog post itself. And I've changed my thinking to think really that the work is getting the blog post read, which includes creating it, but also includes putting it in the hands of people who can read it, right? So now, although I don't, it's my least favorite part of the job, you know, I, I've I could spend, it depends on the blog post, but maybe I'll spend five or six hours on a blog post. And I've spent so many hours trying to get those pictures in there. And that featured image size is so difficult to work with. And then at the end, it's a, a nice product. I'm, I like it. And then I want to be done. <laughs> it's a natural feeling. I want to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can be done. But if I want anyone to read it, I'm not done. So then I have come to realize that there are so many different ways that you have to promote it. And including so obviously all of our social channels and then our we push it out through our email which is is a really good way of distribution but i joined a lot of facebook groups you know like the the town facebook groups the the wareham the tritown all those groups because so if it's something related to that town i put it there um, if it's a food thing there's this great big food group so it generates a lot more traffic and but I, until you kind of turned my thinking on that, I, I just wasn't, I was just thinking, oh, I'll put it up there. And it, it's like that movie, which you probably haven't seen because it was, it's really old, but with Kevin Costner, A Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah. If you build it, they will come. I just like, yeah. if you write it, they will read it. No, <laughs> not at all. Oh, <laughs> not nope. read it. Yeah. Cat videos. I mean, what else are we going to do? <laughs> you know, you know, Queen's Gambit is on. Oh my God. I got to go watch that now. <laughs> so yeah. So I would say I, I can't go with the 80% promoting number, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say you, you like a good 25, 30% has to be promoting. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> she is Marlissa Brigitte. You can find her at southcoastalmanac.com. You can buy I'm getting this correctly now. The whole year's worth, four episodes for $20 a year, right? $19.95? Yep. Yep. Go right, go right to the website, southcoastalmanac.com. Click on the link in the top navigation. Subscribe to our print magazine. 
and purchase your subscription today. Marlissa, where else can folks find you to say thanks? Find us on Facebook at South Coast Almanac, on Instagram, which is, or Twitter is ASC Almanac. And you can always send an email to me and we respond to every email. One last thing I'll mention just in terms of audience and how much we value them. So you mentioned that you can subscribe to the magazine and we do love our subscribers. We really do. One time this summer, a woman called me and she wanted to, she doesn't have email or a computer. So she wanted to know how she could renew her subscription. And I told her, oh, she can mail a check. She said, well, one thing I wanted to ask you is I noticed that in the restaurant guide, you stopped putting the phone numbers in of the restaurants. And I said, oh yeah, we did that because we're the space we were having, it was taking up too much space. And so we thought that was one way to kind of condense it, but still have the information. And she said, well, I don't have a computer and I really relied on those phone numbers. So guess what? The next issue, which was September, has the phone numbers in there. And that's all back. Linda from New Bedford. So yeah. we <laughs> take your comments seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and we love you. And so we'll do anything for you. So Linda, if you want the phone numbers in there, we'll, we will put them in there. <laughs> that's awesome stuff. The internet hasn't killed the phone yet. Right. <laughs> Not yet. It's the southcoast.fm We Are Here podcast. You can find us at southcoast.fm, southcoast.fm slash subscribe. Find us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and maybe we'll see South Coast Almanac in iTunes uh, in the year 2021. How about that? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.